Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Two Sides of a Coin podcast. Sadly, I'm still in a very noisy situation, but we persevere. On this week, we're going to talk about two movies that just came out. The first one is the Owen Wilson movie called Paint, which if you just look at the posters, heavily inspired or at least is an homage to the great Bob Ross. Second movie we're going to talk about is one that's going to definitely hit any fans of Nintendo right in the part of their heart that screams nostalgia. And that is the Super Mario Brothers movie. So we're going to talk about both of these movies and you're going to hear my opinions on them. All right, so let's get started. Now, the thing with Super Mario Brothers, the famous, famous Nintendo property, is that Super Mario Brothers is a lot older than even most people realize. If you're a huge Nintendo fan, then obviously you know this information. But Super Mario Brothers isn't even the first game that the character Mario shows up in. The character Mario first shows up in the Donkey Kong game because Donkey Kong and Super Mario are intrinsically linked or as his name is known as Mario. Now Donkey Kong came out in 1981. It had a sequel. Both of them featured Mario. Then in around 1985 or 1983 actually, Super Mario Brothers comes out. And that's the game that everybody remembers Mario from. That had Mario, and then it had him in a green swap, which later became known as Luigi. And considering that Mario first appeared in 1981, that means that Mario, the character, has been a part of the Nintendo gaming franchise, a part of the Nintendo gaming landscape. For over 40 years. Which is incredible. Honestly. So when we talk about Mario in terms of video game history. Obviously he has this larger than life persona. However when we talk about Mario in terms of movies or other media. Mario does not have that same cachet. We all remember, or at least people who are old enough, remember that this isn't even the first Mario movie, this 2023 version. There was a live action version of the Super Mario Brothers movie that came out in 1993. It had John Leguizamo as well as some other characters, and that was famously a box office bomb. However... There is another movie even before that, a movie that came out in Japan called Super Mario Brothers, The Great Mission to Rescue Princess Peach. That came out in the late 1980s. So when we talk about this movie, we can't just say, oh, this movie is the first Mario Brothers movie that's animated. 
Because it's not even that. And it's not the first movie to come out for Super Mario Brothers. This is the third movie to come out featuring Super Mario Brothers in the name. The second one that's animated, in fact. So, really, this movie has a lot to make up for in regards to its history. So, does this movie make up for the previous failures in terms of Nintendo and Super Mario Brothers as a whole in other media? Or should Mario have just stuck to video games or playing Mario Kart or tennis or Super Smash Brothers? Should he have just stuck to that instead of taking a foray into the silver screen? Well, let's find out. So, the first thing you'll note about Super Mario Brothers, the 2023 movie, when you turn it on, the very first thing you'll see is the animation. And from what I will say of the animation is, it's really good. It's crisp, it's clean, it's bright. It's dark at times, however, it's never so dark that you can't see what's going on. The movie starts out with Chris Pine, obviously, or Chris Pratt, as the titular Mario, and him and Luigi, who's being played by Charlie Day, now, this is a funny part. You see them, they start out in Brooklyn and you see them with this commercial. That's in the very first minutes of the movie where they talk about this Super Mario Brothers where they're starting their own plumbing service. And the commercial is actually pretty funny. It's very cheesy. However, it's cheesy in the way of these are people who are on a budget, who do not have a lot of money. They even make a joke that, yeah, we spent our life savings on this commercial. And oh, you can just, you can see how cheap it is at one point. And like I said, this is in the first few minutes of the movie. They have them flying around with capes on their back, but you can still see the stools in there. Cause obviously they didn't get somebody to remove the stools. And it's, it's a pretty funny, it's a pretty funny gag. Anyways, events occur that swiftly take our heroes into the world of the Mushroom Kingdom. And essentially it changes at that point from it being about Mario being in Brooklyn to now Mario has to go and save his brother who in the process of them going to the Mushroom Kingdom was disconnected from him and went to the Badlands as they call it. So what's some things that you can really take away from this movie in terms of the positives? Well, as I've already said, the animation is really good in this movie. It's bright. It doesn't look 
like it's forced. Everything looks really clean. When it comes to times where there is action, it really shows you what the action is. Everything comes off really well in regards to that. Now, a big, big thing I need to say is that the sound design is absolutely excellent in regards to this movie. One thing I do like about this movie in regards to the sound design in particular is all of the songs in the background, or almost all of them, are essentially just redone floor music from the Super Mario Brothers games. So you'll hear at several times, you'll hear a remixed version of the music you would hear whenever you were playing the game, when you're in the underworld, when you're playing the first level, you'll hear that music very clearly. It'll be very noticeable. And I think it was a very big positive in that it really gives the movie that big nostalgic oomph. You're watching Mario jump around, eating mushrooms, breaking bricks, getting power-ups, and you're hearing the music from the game as it's playing in the background, only it's not necessarily the same, but it's close enough where it's easily recognizable, and it really puts you in a great in regards to the setting of the movie, in regards to all of the set pieces that you will see. So I really loved that part of the movie. Also, I know that going into this movie, there were a lot of people who were worried about the voice acting for this movie. They were worried about Chris Pratt. Is he going to sound like he is the titular Mario character? And to be honest, no. He doesn't sound like he is the titular Mario character. They make it very clear that the voice for Mario, while it's very famous and it's very well known, it's also problematic in its own way. When you hear Mario talk, if you've ever heard him say a lot of lines, you, you know it's problematic, especially for the Italian-American community. So you will hear Mario set, you will hear Mario talk like that. However, they are making it clear that when he's talking like that, it's very much he is intentionally speaking stereotypically. And also, what I do like is at certain moments, you can hear the original uh, voice actor for Mario. That's uh, Charles Martinet. He is actually in this movie as a different character. When Chris Pratt is forced to use that voice, I think he does a passable job. However, that's not what Chris Pratt is here for. Chris Pratt is here to try and make you connect with the movie and is trying to just charm his way into your heart as Mario, who 
they bring him a little bit down to earth, but only so much. He is still a plumber that wears overalls with a red cap and a red shirt. So that's how Chris Pratt sounds. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy plays Princess Peach. She's, of course, the ruler of the Mushroom Kingdom. And I, I will say with Anya Taylor-Joy, I think they did a great job in terms of making Princess Peach hit that really sweet spot of Princess Peach needs saving, but Princess Peach is also somebody who can do a lot in regards to this movie. They don't go out of their way to show that Princess Peach is you know, a badass, but they do have some really good set pieces that show that, hey, Princess Peach can hold her own in regards to a lot of this movie. She's not to be trifled with. She can absolutely take on, you know, enemies. She can take on Koopas. She can hold her own for large amounts of the movie. In fact, at certain points, she holds her own so well that you just kind of wonder why the heck does she need Mario? She is more of the action hero than Mario is. But it's it's understandable in a sort of. They don't really focus on it very much. And you just you're kind of expected to just go along to get along in this movie. Also, if you've seen the trailers, you know, of course, Bowser is in this movie. Uh, he is being played by Jack Black. And I generally like Jack Black in movies. However, I am the first one that will say that Jack Black is definitely an acquired taste. You need to know what you're getting into when you put Jack Black in your movie. I think they definitely knew what they were getting into when they got Jack Black. I do think that when Jack Black was doing his acting or whatever, when it was auditions or anything like that, they just said, hey, Jack, um, you know, you're doing Bowser great. You're trying to be a little understated. Go bigger. And when Jack Black would go bigger, they'd just be like, go bigger, go bigger, go bigger, until at a certain point, Jack Black is going so big that I think I would have appreciated if they pulled him back a little bit, but if you are in this movie and you just want to see Jack Black be unhinged as Bowser, you're, you're going to get your money's worth. He is really going to just go off and he is going to be Bowser. I also like how in this story they kind of subvert expectations for what Bowser wants in regards to this story. At, at least the first Super Mario Brothers game, you just say, well, Bowser just wants power. Well, Bowser does want that. However, in this movie, Bowser has a soft side. It's not a well-intended soft side, 
he does have a soft side, however. So I do like that. And I'll just warn you right now, if you are not a fan of Jack Black playing music, you are going to hate certain parts of this movie. If you are a fan of Jack Black with music, I think you're really going to like some parts in this movie. Not to give anything away, but take that what you will. Uh, there are a couple of other people that show up. I already mentioned that uh, Charlie Day plays Luigi. He's really not in this movie a lot. So I, I really can't say that Charlie Day had a lot to do. He's sidelined very early for long amounts of the movie. I would say you had Keegan-Michael Key as Toad and Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. They had more screen time, in my opinion, than Luigi had screen time, which is kind of sad, but this was clearly Mario's movie where Luigi was definitely the side character. And Luigi gets a little bit of character development at the very end. If you're just looking for this Luigi to have a large role, he is not going to have that in this movie. So, as I said before with Seth Rogen, who played Donkey Kong, there's also Fred Armisen, who plays uh, Cranky Kong. I really liked when they went over to Donkey Kong's world. Because they got to go over to Donkey Kong's world in order to get help to stop Bowser. That isn't a big... Uh, that isn't a big spoiler. I really like that Seth Rogen really disappeared into this role. Honestly, I had to look this up. I did not realize it was Seth Rogen when I was hearing it. All I heard was Donkey Kong. And with Fred Armisen, all I heard was Cranky Kong. So I think that is the absolute uh, bar for voice actors when they disappear into the role and you just hear the role, you don't hear them. I don't think Chris Pratt got there necessarily. I do think that several people in this movie got there, like Anya Taylor-Joy, she got there. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad, he got there. Seth Rogen, Fred Armisen, even Charlie Day got there in terms of they disappeared into their role and they were those characters. So I think that plus this is this is just a fun movie. Super Mario Brothers is just a very, very fun movie that I think if you're just going there for the fun, for the entertainment to see Mario and maybe Donkey Kong run around smash Koopas, hit up some turtles, ride on Rainbow Road with go-karts as they showed in the trailer, I think you're really going to enjoy this movie. If you are not into nostalgia, however, you are going to hate this movie. Mainly because nostalgia is the main ingredient for this movie. It's not story. It's not voice acting, it is an action, it is 
we're going to hit you with nostalgia first. And if that doesn't work, you are DOA. Because this movie has some funny moments. Those funny moments all depend on nostalgia. In some movies, in some franchises, the nostalgia is used to further the plot of the movie. In this movie, nostalgia is the plot. There really, I mean, there is a general plot. However, when you look at it, that MacGuffin that they have is just clearly a MacGuffin. It's not intended to be anything because of browsers, because of Bowser's whole motivation in the movie. And I'm not going to spoil what that motivation exactly is, but when they reveal what Bowser's motivation is, I'm, I was just thinking like, there are like a dozen ways you could have gone about what you did and you did none of those. This is like, wow, like who, who is your advisor? You need to, you need to kick them out because they are not doing you any favors in regards to you getting your goal. But that's what I mean when I say the, the plot is just paper thin. When you look at this movie and when you say, hey, this movie might have been solved by just a simple tea conversation, like that, that to me does bug me in regard to this movie. However, I am the kind of person that really loves a good plot. So if I don't get that really good plot, I'm not going to be 100% happy. However, if you are that person that loves that really good, solid plot, you're, you're like me, you're not going to love it. But if you're the kind of person that's just like, I'm going there to have fun and nothing else, I think you can have fun with this movie. So honestly, I understand why critics aren't necessarily giving this movie a lot of love. But I think this movie is really for fans and kids and nostalgia. This movie is not for... This is not the thinking man's Mario. This is the turn off your brain, enjoy the special effects, hear the music. This is Remember Berries, the movie. And if you don't know what Remember Berries are, Remember Berries is a term that I use because it's from South Park. And it's just where you look at a movie and you say, oh, remember this, remember that, remember this, remember that. If that's the kind of enjoyment you want from a movie, I think this movie is perfect for you. If you want your remember berries with also a plot, you're not going to get that. This is Remember Berries with a little dipping sauce of plot, really, to keep everything together. But that is not the main meal. The main meal is nostalgia, having a whole lot of fun, getting enough action when necessary, comedy also thrown in there, even though that's kind of on the iffy side. 
So I would give this movie probably a six and a half out of 10. On its own, this movie is weak. It is weak. It has very little plot. Things just happen in this movie to happen. They don't happen in furtherance of the plot. However, with this kind of movie, that's not the thing you care about. You care in regards to this movie about nostalgia and about what Mario is going to do. You care about hearing the music. You care about seeing the characters that you want to see. You care about the power-ups. You care about the actions of the characters in regards to how they use those power-ups. That's the thing you care about. I don't think you watch this movie if you care about the plot. You watch this movie to care about watching your childhood come forth on the big screen in a competent manner. And if that's what you want, you're absolutely going to get that. Just know what you're getting into with this movie. Because if you think you're getting one thing, if you think you're getting an adult version of Super Mario Brothers, you're going to be mad. And if you think you're getting a kid's version of Super Mario Brothers, you're going to be over the moon and ecstatic for what you're going to get. All right. But I'd love to hear what you guys think about Super Mario Brothers. If you think I got it 100% wrong, please, please let me know. And yeah, we're going to move on to our next movie, which is Paint by Owen Wilson. Bob Ross was really a person that many people connected with. After his death, even his videos went on and they became ASMR videos that gained a lot of traction just because his voice was in a very calm and soothing register. He would talk about a lot of different things and just paint and paint and paint. And it became very soothing for a lot of people. One thing he was known for was obviously his haircut. He had long curly hair, you know, definitely huge curly afro. Second thing he was known for was his calm and soothing voice. He would very much talk in a lower register. He would not yell at all on his show. And third thing he was known for was saying very nice phrases when he was painting. How he would say, there are no mistakes. There are just happy little accidents that can be changed whenever you're painting. And with this movie, they very much in the first couple of minutes emulate that version of Bob Ross to an absolute T. When Owen Wilson is there, when he is painting, when he is doing all of the, oh, I'm going to talk about the mountains and the foothills, and I'm going to really 
get into it and tell a story while I'm painting. He absolutely is telling that in this movie, at least in the very beginning. After that, this movie absolutely goes in a weird direction that I did not expect. And honestly, it took me a while thinking about it, if I liked it or not. But honestly, I think it was a happy little accident in and of itself. So as I talked about in this movie, Owen Wilson plays the Bob Ross-like character of Carl Nargle. He is the most famous regional PBS painter that they have. And according to the show, according to the movie, he's been doing it for at least 15 to 20 years. He's been doing it for a while. In fact, he's been doing it for so long that there are people who come onto the show who grew up watching him paint. One of those people being uh, Ciara Renee's character, whose name is Ambrosia. She comes in very early and she's like, I grew up watching you paint and be this amazing painter. So, hey, I'm going to try and emulate what you do. I'm going to try and be this great painter as well. And that's really when the movie, you know, starts to take off because early on in the movie you're getting this Bob Ross like character however you're not getting the Bob Ross from the TV show the Bob Ross from the joy of painting this is a fun house mirror version of Bob Ross this is a Bob Ross that is sleeping with everybody he has slept and was in a relationship with one of the station managers who's played by Michelle Watkins. Her name is Catherine. He's been in relationships with several of the staff there. Uh, Lucy Freyer, Louise Struss, Wendy McClendon Covey. He is, it's really weird to see how people react to Carl Nargle, whereas the ladies, they treat him like he is this sex symbol. And he's just like, yeah, I'm just Carl Nargle. I'm the painter and I'm going to paint this painting and I'm going to give it to you. And it's really, really weird. It's surreal when they have it in the movie, how many people are truly into this guy, Carl Nargle. Also with, as we talked about, Ambrosia, her character, she comes on and she's kind of his foil in part of this movie because she's the young up and comer and he's the old, you know, old guard in this movie. And she's the person that's coming in and she's painting not one, she's painting two paintings during the same time frame. However, her paintings are really wild and out there. One of her paintings had a spaceship which deposited a whole bunch of blood into a field. It it really I can't describe it better than that. 
when you see it in the movie, you will know exactly what I mean. But this movie, at its core, is something that's stuck in its own little bubble. For the life of me, I couldn't honestly tell when this movie is set in. Was it set in the 80s? Is it set in the 90s? Is it set in the 2000s? The 2010s? Honestly, this movie is set in this Vermont town. But this Vermont town is well and truly encapsulated in its own little way. You'll see people and... You'll see them mostly pick up a receiver. You'll see them having TVs, but they'll have older cars. Nobody has a new car. However, when you first see somebody bring out a smartphone, you're just thinking, what in the world is going on here? Why do you have a smartphone? This movie I thought was in the 80s because Carl Nargle, he's rolling around in a van that's clearly from the 60s with its own fold-out bed in the van and he's got his own cabin but his cabin he doesn't even have a phone with a voicemail set up on it because he doesn't understand it and when i say this movie is truly in its own place i very much mean this movie is set in its own little you know time slot where when this movie takes place isn't as important as the characters in this movie so when we when you start watching this movie you're going to get some really strong performances from some of these actors as i've talked about with owen wilson he plays carl nargle this is the least owen wilson i have ever seen owen wilson genuinely be this version of owen wilson is completely and utterly uh alien to i think anybody who's seen owen wilson throughout his career he is not saying wow and doing a lot of his own shtick which is just being this clueless guy he is he's being way more stripped down he is really encapsulated into being like bob ross if bob ross was a misogynistic womanizer he is that and he does not really get out of that box until his character grows in the movie uh with Ciara Renee's character as Ambrosia, she's spot on as the young, cocky upstart who really loves painting. And she, her enthusiasm for what she's doing really comes off and she wears her emotions on her sleeve. So when she's having a bad day, she's going to paint some really messed up stuff. And... It's it's really funny to see when she's having good days, what she's painting, and when she's having bad days, what she's going to paint. Because those really come across, and it's really fun 
when she does that, in my personal opinion. I think overall, the cast is solid across the board. The story, as I said, it's really just compartmentalized in a way where it's all about everything that's happening in this town, but not everything that's happening in this town. It is well and truly about Carl and his journey in regards to his painting with Ambrosia. It's about her learning about other people through her painting. It's about how all of these people are affected by this PBS, you know, painter who's been on there for over 20 years. And I well and truly think the one thing, if I had to put it, my dot on it that this movie does is everybody in this movie comes off as being genuine. Even the parts where this is weird, nothing comes off as this is, this doesn't make any sense. Everything in there says, these are people who are so obsessed with this one person that they are willing to throw everything else about themselves out the window just to be seen and heard by the one person that they care about. There's a very funny scene about a uh, pair of juicy sweatpants, which... I think absolutely, I was just cracking up in the movie. And it comes off as very sincere. It's not meant to be funny. However, it's hilarious. Because that's the tone in regards to this movie. This isn't a comedy. This is a, this is more of a black comedy at best. If not, it's a dramedy. It's a drama comedy. There aren't a lot of jokes being told. It is you are reacting to the awkward scenarios and the awkward situations that people find themselves in. And that's where the comedy comes from. Now, in regards to the bad things about this movie, this movie has from top to bottom, nobody in this movie is likable, which doesn't need to be. Your movies can have likable characters and they can have unlikable characters. But if you, when you really get into it, you might hate half of this cast because they're going to do some weird stuff at every single turn. Like, oh, they're going to make sure that the painters have their cup of coffee and they're hanging off of them like hanger-ons. And there's one scene with fondue that after it happens, it is hilarious. It is high comedy. And also with Carl, one of his big things is he has an inability to paint a certain structure. And later on in the movie, they have him really go out and freak out. In regards to what he is painting and even though he does all these crazy things with this paint 
at his personal property, you then look at it and you say, oh, no, nah, you just painted the exact same thing just on a larger scale. And it absolutely killed in the movie theater. I would say at the end of the day, this movie is like a seven out of 10. It's not the best movie you're going to see. It's very much a smaller story around this, around a small town that's really stuck in a bubble in regards to what kind of town it is and also in regard to how things are dealt with. So if you're good on that and you're good on things not being in terms of jokes, in terms of the jokes not being big and obvious, in terms of them being small and a little bit more reserved, I think you're going to enjoy this movie. If you like your comedies big and bombastic, this is not going to be the movie for you. So take with that what you will. And I would love to hear your thoughts about if you enjoyed it or if you didn't enjoy the movie. So if you want to hear more about the podcast, you want to contact us there are several ways you can do it you can hit us up on twitter that's at two sides coin that's t-w-o-s-i-d-e-z coin all one word if you want to get us on instagram that's two sides of a coin if you want to email us with your opinions or any kind of comments that you might have it's at two sides podcast at gmail.com. That's T W O S I D E Z podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys in regards to your opinions and how you want to move forward or how you want the podcast to improve. We're always open to your guys' opinions. So you can hear the podcast on Podbean and on Spotify. And we would love to hear from you. So, everybody have a good rest of the week. And we'll talk to you guys next Wednesday.